No, no, it's fine. I'm here now. Good morning, everybody. As um, my name's Glenn, and it's my privilege to bring the second in our series of advice to the church from 1 Timothy, where Paul is writing to uh, his young charge. When I saw today's message, We All Have Faults, I had difficulty trying to work out what to say. Because before you stands a person, oh, I really want you to let you know this. Before you stands a person who has no faults. And I'm looking at a group of people that I'm sure don't have any faults either. And we are in a church without any faults. So I thought, very short sermon today. I'll just say the benediction and we can go home. But then it dawned on me that we may know somebody who has a fault. It may be a work colleague, or it may be a friend, or dare I say, a family member who might have a fault or two. So what we'll do is we'll pray, and then we'll have a look and see what uh, Timothy has to say. So let's pray. Uh, Paul has to say, let's pray. Father, we want to thank you that we can come and worship you today. We thank you that we can come and just spend a few moments around your word. And Father, I just ask that as I speak, that you will use these words that I've prepared to speak to others. Father, I just ask for the people here that they may not hear what I say, but hear what you have to say, that they will hear the words that you want them to hear. So Father, we just ask you to be with us now. In Jesus' name, amen. So today's Bible reading comes from the book of 1 Timothy, starting at chapter 1, starting at verse 12. My heart spills over with thanks to God for the way he continually empowers me and to our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One, who found me to be trustworthy and who authorised me to be his partner in this ministry. Mercy kissed me, even though I used to be a blasphemer, a persecutor of believers and a scorner of what turned out to be true. I was ignorant and I didn't know what I was doing. I was flooded with such incredible grace like a river flowing over its banks, until I was full of faith and love for Jesus, the Anointed One. I can testify that the word is true and deserves to be received by all, for Jesus Christ came into the world to bring sinners back to life, even me, the worst sinner of all. Yet I was captured by grace so that Jesus Christ could display through me the outpouring of his spirit as a pattern to be seen for all those who would believe in him for eternal life. Because of this, my praises rise to the king of all the universe who is indestructible, invisible, and full of glory, the only God who is worthy of the highest honours throughout all of time and throughout the eternity of eternities. Amen. So, Timothy, my son, I am trusting you with this responsibility in keeping with the very first prophecies that were spoken over you and your life and are now in the process of fulfilment in this great work of the ministry in keeping with the prophecies spoken over you. With this encouragement, use your prophecies as weapons as you wage spiritual warfare by faith with a clean conscience, for there are many who reject these virtues and are now destitute of the true faith. Such as Hermes and Alexander, who have fallen away, I have delivered them both over to Satan to be rid of them and to teach them to no longer blaspheme. There is a lot of things in this passage, a lot of 
ideas we could talk about, a lot of questions that need to be answered. But as I was thinking about this, I just thought there was just one small theme we need to be looking at today, and that is the transforming work of Christ. You know, Paul had an incredible testimony. And in verse 15 and 16, he said these things. I can testify that the word is true and deserves to, re- to be received by all. For Jesus Christ came into the world to bring sinners back to life, even me, the worst of sinner of all. Yet I was captured by grace that Jesus Christ could display through the outpouring of his spirit as a pattern to be seen for all those who would believe in him for eternal life. Now I must admit, when I hear of a testimony like Paul's, there's a sense of jealousy that rises up in me because he had an incredible testimony. Because my testimony is just basically about a seven-year-old boy, one night in his bed, gave his life over to Jesus, and then a few years later was baptised with his dad. But then I, was, then I remembered that our testimony is not just about the day we gave our life over to Christ. Our testimony is our ongoing life. It's what we see. It's what we do. It's what we are being with, with Jesus Our our testimony is a lifetime event. You know, it was because of God that a good Baptist boy met a young, beautiful, pure Anglican girl in a Catholic church. Now, only God could orchestrate that. And only to find out that a week... Oh, by the way, on that night, she was wearing a beautiful white jumper with a little koala up in there, up on, on her chest, just to let you know that she did have a slight impression on me. Only to find out that a week later, we were both going on a same camp run by Scripture Union. And for 41 years, 42 years, we have been together ever since. So that only God could organise that. Through our life, we have seen God do, thing, do some amazing things. God has been gracious to us. And it's, and it's our testimony that that because of God we can, we can see how he's done things. One of the latest things, we decided that we need to get a new land room suite. And so um, what we did was put our current land, the previous land room suite up on Gumtree and we put that it was to be free. We only had one caller who wanted our land room. Mind you, that's all we needed was just one. And... Um, this person came along, they picked it up, and as you do, we start to talk to the husband and wife you know, about themselves and where they're going, and, and I just happened to ask the question, where are you taking, you know, do you have to go far with this? And they said, oh yeah, not far, we just moved into Parafield Gardens. And, uh, sorry. It was just amazing, the fact that they, they just moved into the area, and their kids were going to Caroline's school, where she's the chaplain. And she'd just met them the week before. God is just amazing in the way that he can orchestrate things and do things in our lives. But the problem being is at times, we don't see what God is doing. We don't understand what he's doing. There's something blocking us. And that basically comes down to the fact that we are imprisoned by sin. Sin surrounds us. Sin just stops us from being who we're called to be. And it's because of that being in 
surrounded by sin, we don't feel God's love. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. His love is not just about talking about loving us. His love is actually doing. It's actually being. He gave his only son. Then we find that we don't experience God's forgiveness. 1 John 1 verse 9 says, If you confess your sins, he will be faithful and just and will forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Two things there again. Firstly, he will forgive you. And then secondly, he will cleanse you. It's, it's good to be forgiven for our sins, for the things we do wrong. But sometimes the stench and the smell of that thing stays on us. But through Jesus, we are cleansed. We are made clean from that again. Then we come to being family. In, in Romans 8, 17, it says, Now if, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. We are family. We are called to be family. One of the things that, as people, we want is to be in family, to be in community. And sin stops us from feeling that. And God says, I want you to do that. Then we have a sense of God wants us to be special. In Deuteronomy 32, verse 10, he says, He shielded him, shielded him and cared for him. He guarded him as the apple of his eye. We are special in God's eye. Now, I'm not much of a Facebooker. I just look on bits and pieces every now and again. But what I do see is where people think that, uh, and share, shall I say, share times of people who are special in their lives. We see photos of children, of family members doing special things. And what we see happening, what, what I reckon is, I reckon if God was a Facebooker, can you imagine the special things he would put down on Facebook about you guys? I can imagine him going back to heaven after today and writing and blogging something like, went to Parafield Gardens Uniting Church this morning, had a great time of worship. Saw some amazing things happening down there. Enjoyed the worship. Here's a few photos. Here's a photo of Paula leading worship. Wasn't she doing a great time there? Here's a picture of Roger and Steve doing the things behind the scenes that nobody really talks about. But we just want to, you know, they're doing a great job. And here's a photo of poor old Glenn. He's having another go at preaching. You know, one day he'll get it right. But, you know, he's having a go, so let's keep going for him. But those are not the only things that um, we miss out on when sin surrounds us and doesn't allow us to have things. There's things like his provision, his protection, his care, and his healing. You know, they are all hidden from us. We don't feel them from what's going on. So the question is, how do we move from where we are being surrounded by sin into the presence of God and what he wants for us. One of my favourite authors is a guy by the name of Adrian Plass. And in his... Sorry, I just missed the verse. One of the things Jesus wants is something special for us. And in John 10.10 we read these words. A thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter and destroy... But I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect. Life is life in its fullness until you overflow. 
Jesus and God have a desire for us to have an abundant life. They want us to have something more, something new, something special. As I was saying, one of my favourite authors is a guy by the name of Adrian Plass. And in his book, The Sacred Diary of Adrian Plass, age 37 and three quarters, he says this. Excuse me, I've got to put my glasses on because it's small writing in the book. He writes this. The monk who came at Christmas was in church again today. Edwin asked him to do a question and answer session. Put my fruit gums away and opened. Father John looked pale and tired, but I honestly thought they rigged up a spotlight at the back because he seems to be sort of... There seemed to be a short sort of shyness around his face as he sat quietly on a stool at the front. Mrs. Flushpool asked the first question. She said, I find it strange, Reverend, and I cannot call you Father as I have scriptural reservations, that on your previous visit you barely mentioned the judgment of God on sin committed in the natural. Perhaps you do not feel sinful. Father John blinked. Oh, I'm a ratbag, he declared with enthusiasm. But I do feel so very forgiven. You see, God's crazy about me, just as he is crazy about you. He pointed at Mrs. Flushpool. If you were to commit a foul sin with every person in your street, and then you said to God, I am really and honestly, sincerely, awfully sorry, he would say, great, let's start all over again. Marvellous, isn't it? Leonard leaned across and whispered in my ear, He knows a different God to the one I do. His God's nice. The way to God is provided by God. It is his idea. And he wants us to have a meaningful relationship with him. Did you see that phrase in the reading today? Where it said, mercy, kissed by mercy. Paul was kissed by mercy. Paul went and explained this a little bit further in the book of Ephesians. And I'd like to read a few verses from Ephesians to you. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. And his fullness fills you, even though you're once like corpses, dead in your sins and offences. It wasn't that long ago that you lived in religion, customs and values of this world, obeying the dark ruler of the earthly realm, who fills the atmosphere with his authority and works diligently in the hearts of those who are disobedient to the truth. The corruption that was in us from birth was expressed through the deeds and desires of our self-life. We live by whatever natural cravings and thoughts our minds dictated, living as rebellious children subject to God's wrath like everyone else, surrounded, imprisoned by sin. That's what Paul was telling us. But then he goes on and explains, but God still loved us with such a great love. He is so rich in compassion and mercy. Even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins, he united us into the very life of Christ and saved us by his wonderful grace. He raised us up with Christ the exalted one and we ascend with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm. For we are now co-seated as one with Christ. Through the coming ages, we will be the visible display of the infinite, limitless riches of his grace and kindness, which was showered upon us in Jesus Christ. For it is not only through his wonderful grace that we believed in him, 
for, sorry, for it was only through his wonderful grace that we believed in him. Nothing we did could ever earn his salvation, for it is the gracious gift from God that brought us to Christ. So no one will ever be able to boast, for salvation is never rewarded for good works or human striving. It is the grace of God that comes to you and I, and all we have to do is to accept it. And then he goes and finishes with these words. He says, We have become his poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given each of us. For we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one. Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. God has a plan. He loves you. And there's some great things he wants to do for you. But there was that little phrase in that last section that when I read it, I just thought, wow, isn't that amazing? Where he said, we have become his poetry. We have become his poetry. We have become his masterpiece by accepting his grace, accepting his mercy. We have become part of his poetry. Can you imagine the verse or the written about you, about your life? I had a go. And I said, Glenn has known me since being a child. He feels so meek and mild, but through my grace, I will lift his face. So, where does this leave us? What do we have to do? Two things. If you do not know or are unsure if you know whether you have accepted God's grace, if you have accepted his mercy, then I would encourage you to go and speak to somebody. Speak to a Christian friend and talk to them about what it means to be a Christian. Or you could come down the front after the service. There will be people here who would love to talk to you about that. But if you have accepted God's grace, if you have accepted his mercy, but you feel that it is clouded in your life, if you feel as if you are entrapped by sin, I encourage you to go back to God. Go back to his grace. Go back and ask of his forgiveness. Allow him to soften your heart once again. King David... He was a great man. It was said he was a man after God's own heart. But he was a great sinner as well. And in Psalm 51, he penned these words. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors of your ways, so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of the bloodshed, O God, who you are, God my Saviour. My tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you loved us so much that you gave your son to be that perfect sacrifice. Father, no matter where we are standing within our relationship with you, Father, we know that sin stops us from experiencing the good, the great, the abundant life that you've got planned for us. 
Father, I just ask that we may be open our hearts, that we may soften our hearts to you. Because, Father, we want to give our lives back to you. In Jesus' precious name, our living Saviour and Lord. Amen.